Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Uh, like last week, we're not going to start, or I should say unlike last week, we're not going to start in Genesis 3 in the, where you wouldn't expect uh, there to be a Christmas story or the Christmas narrative. We're going to be in Luke 1 today. Um, I have a question for you. Uh, have you ever noticed how, um, you know, things get hyped up? Um, you know, things start rather um, uh, quiet and then... Uh, when the media gets a hold of things, they, it, it, it grows, and then all of a sudden, it's just this free-for-all mudslide of information. You might recall a couple years ago, the Olympics were happening in Rio de Janeiro, uh, but it was years before that that you might have been uh, watching television or uh, got something come across your, your uh, news feed or that, and just subtly, it had a little um, icon of... Uh, the company that was sponsored, and then just below it, it would, it would say um, uh, that they were sponsoring, or they were a sponsor of the Rio Olympics. It was just, you know, understated, very discreet. But you'd see that off and on for uh, 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 quite a while, and, and the Olympics weren't for a number of years. Uh, guaranteed the 2020 Olympics are coming up in, in Tokyo in, in a couple of years' time, and guaranteed probably we'll turn the corner into this new year, and you'll, you'll start getting peppered with a little bit of, of information. Uh, it, it's funny, it, the media gets a hold of things, and they just kind of feel like they have to sensationalize things when it gets into full-blown uh, mode. You might have noticed this last year that we had that uh, eclipse, Right? How many of you remember the, the, the solar eclipse? At, uh, where were the rest of you? Uh, were you just like uh, asleep for an entire day or what? But anyways, for those of you who do remember that we had a, a solar eclipse last year, um, you get this, it wasn't just a solar eclipse. But if you go and you Google, you know, eclipse, uh, solar eclipse uh, 2017, the, the media actually titled that and gave it a, you know, almost branded it. I, I don't know if you know this, but it was known as the Great American Solar Eclipse, as if the rest of the world was chopped liver. It was just, the, it was because it went from the West Coast to the East Coast and right across the heartland and, and all of the United States, but it was known as the Great American Solar Eclipse. It was labeled, it was titled, and everyone was hyped. You get the glasses, t-shirts, hats, you name it. Uh, backpacks, solar clip. I don't know if they made those, but guaranteed someone somewhere was hyping it up and selling and uh, you know, getting people excited about it. Well, we do the same thing. It's not just the media. Um, maybe you had a, a Christmas party already, or maybe there's, uh, you're having a family event uh, tonight, tomorrow night, or, or Christmas. Guaranteed at some point back the months gone by, you sent out an email or a text or some sort of, maybe it was an old school invitation, and it, it simply said, save the date. Just save the date. This is coming. Uh, this is where we're going. I want you to mark this day because there's going to be this big party going on. Uh, maybe you had a, a birthday party. Uh, any December babies uh, here? Any December birthdays? Uh, yes, I feel your pain, okay? We just, you know, we'll unite, we'll have a support group after. But, uh, you know, uh, you, maybe you had a birthday and it was like, save the date. Or a wedding, hey, save the date. This is coming up. Well, then, the closer and the closer you get to it, 
There's a little bit more information coming out, and then all of a sudden, it's a free-for-all. Okay, this is this week. It's coming. It's now. It's, it's, you know, and it's like media blitz, this mudslide of information. Some of you are getting that right now. You got to bring the, the bean salad or, you know, the, you got to bring the, 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 the chips and dip to your party tomorrow night or you got to bring that, uh, that famous stuffing that your grandmother used to make or whatever it is, you're getting information and it, it's, it's starting to steamroll. Well, in history, we, we kind of have the same sort of thing take place. As I mentioned last week, we were in Genesis 3. And we learned that it didn't take long after the fall to discover that God promised a solution. God promised the Messiah. God promised the payment for the penalty of sin. In fact, it was verses after the fall that Jesus says, the seed will come and a seed, he will be born and, and he will defeat the evil one. He will defeat the enemy, remember? Bruise the head, bruise the heel. One fatal, one not. He, the Messiah, the Savior of the world would come and yet after that we don't have this ongoing onslaught of media promotion. But instead, peppered through the Old Testament, we have these reminders, almost like save the date. Jesus is coming, the Messiah is coming. Sometimes we get thinking of the Old Testament as, as this, this realm of God activity and God moments. And it certainly was that. But in the grand scheme of things, the Old Testament was a pretty dark and sparse place when it came to interaction with God. Not just the, the, the mode and method that God's people would interact with him, but, but we have these accounts. But if you think of the hundreds and thousands of years that went on, there were places of, of quietness. Almost like the, the time between save the date and hey, it's next week. I don't know how many of you got to the point where it's, uh, you've been invited to a wedding for six months and it's next week and you still haven't got a, 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 a gift. It's like, oh, I better get going. Not that I've had six months to think about it. And in the same way, you think of, uh, let me give you an example. Um, uh, many of you know the story of Samuel who is uh, uh, dedicated to the Lord and his mom, in response to God's blessing, um, uh, committed him to the Lord and, and gave him over to the, uh, be raised in the temple under Eli the priest. And we think of that as being just a very uh, uh, epic time where God connected with his people in the form of, of speaking Samuel's name, Samuel, Samuel, and that response, speak Lord, I'm listening. But in fact, the book of Samuel begins with some verses talking about the fact that God didn't speak a lot to his people during that time. And in fact, there was a lot of, of silence and, and this wasn't a commonplace for, for God to interact with his people. So in fact, the Old Testament was, was more so of a, of a time of quiet, anticipating this time when this event would truly take place. Let me take a step further and explain, even in our Christmas carols and our Christmas songs, we sang some of these this morning, but, 
But if you, if you think about the, the words that we sing and the, maybe these songs that you listen to on the radio, you'll, you'll hear not only the, the Messiah and the, the celebration and, and the, the magnificent event that took place in that manger and in that stable, but you'll hear another part throughout, speckled throughout those songs with words like this, that it was a silent night. There was calm and stillness. How about this line? The world in solemn stillness lay. Silent stars in the dark streets, darkness of the night, on a cold winter's night that was so deep. Another line says, while mortals sleep. There are these phrases that come up from time to time that really do speak of this quietness and this darkness in anticipation of God's great gift that was to come. But as you know, there's a stirring Much like when you get an invitation. Much like when the media starts to get ready for a big event. There's a stirring that takes place and a murmur murmur begins. Like a crowd getting news of, of some event or something happening. It grows louder and louder and it's amplified. And it's focused on this one event. And Scripture is no different when all of a sudden... All heaven breaks open and these angelic beings come on to the scene. Out of the stillness, out of the quiet, the void, the lack of interaction with God, these 400 years of silence leading up to our New Testament accounts, there's this supernatural build-up to the birth of Jesus And it's not just any ordinary birth. This was Jesus the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the one who was promised right from Genesis 3. Angels announcing that this small baby would come such a huge, magnificent message with a small baby. Take a look at Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah speaks about this even hundreds of years before it takes place. Isaiah says, nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine And out of this quiet and stillness that's dark and cold begins to break. It's like the the spring thaw in a land that's been just held captive by winter. A stirring and a movement. This surge culminates with this angelic activity. And Luke and Matthew were told of these angelic beings showing up. And this morning, I want us to look at a few of those, a few of those angelic encounters. We know them well. We've sung the songs. We've read the, the verses and the passages over, over the last numbers of years of Christmases that we've gone through. But I want us to take a look. And, and there was no mistaking. It was crystal clear who this baby was and what this baby had come to do. First, in Luke chapter 1, we have this angelic visit to a priest named Zechariah. 
Now, Zechariah was old, he was uh, aging, and he was committed to the Lord. He loved the Lord, and in fact, he served in the temple. I want you to take a look at this angelic encounter as 400 years of silence come to a close, and the angel of the Lord shows up. In verse 5, it says, when Herod was king of Judah, this is Herod the Great, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abaha. And his wife, Elizabeth, was also from a priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. Look down at verse 11. It says, while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him, but the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah, God has heard your prayer. Could you imagine getting up in the morning, you're still kind of bleary-eyed, you're not a morning person, you're walking in the kitchen to get a cup of coffee, and all of a sudden this dude is standing there saying, don't be afraid. Now, it's a little different. He, you know, he's in the sanctuary where you know, you'd almost expect this, but this is 400 years of silence. 400 years where this interaction hasn't gone on. Angels haven't shown up. This, uh, you know, the, the presence of the Lord hasn't been really known. And here, all of a sudden, this dude is standing right in front of him saying, don't be afraid. It's like, of course I'm going to be afraid. Look at what happens next. The message is, I know you're old, but God is not limited by that and you're going to have a child. And in verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I am an old man and my wife is also well along in years. And guys, we can just take a side note there. It's okay to be old, but and it, a good thing, a good practice is just say your wife is well along in years, okay? So uh, Zachariah had that part down, okay? He didn't say I'm old and so is my wife. He says I'm old and my wife is well along in years. So that was a nice thing, but this angel is sitting there going, okay, Really? I've just broken 400 years of silence with this amazing news from God that you have been praying for and desiring to hear, and you got this lame excuse that you're old? Like, if the very fact of me standing in front of you is not enough, like, what do you need? And yet, here Zechariah is saying, you know what? I don't know if I can really believe this. And we're going to get back to that in just a second. But, but it's a spiritual encounter nonetheless. He's shaken, he's afraid, and you're going to see in each one of these, there's fear. This wasn't common, this wasn't normal, this wasn't that, and it was out of the blue. It wasn't like the trumpet sounds, there's you know, Christmas lights and, and you know, crosses and stars and, and lights all over and, and pomp and circumstance and then all of a sudden, ah, the angel shows up. No, it's like the angel is there in the mundane and the routine of life. He was in the sanctuary going about his stuff and so there's this fear. Let's look ahead. The angel next appears to Mary. Not in, in immediately, but after some, some weeks and after some time. And here we have in the sixth month, so this is verse 26 of Luke 1. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, 
a village in Galilee to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Verse 29, confused and disturbed. Here it is, she's, she's fearful. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. The kingdom will never end. And take a look in verse 34, Mary's response. Mary responds. Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but now she has conceived a son and she is in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Once again, a supernatural encounter. After years of silence, the angel shows up and pronounces, blessing pronounces the fact that Jesus will be born to Mary. Fear and trembling, an initial response, but a spiritual encounter. We go on from there. We won't look into it today. We referred to Joseph last week in Matthew chapter 1, and the angel appears to Joseph, gives him a message, and once again, fear and trembling. Don't be afraid, Joseph. I'm trying not to, but you're just going to have to give me this one. He's afraid, he's terrified, but there's this supernatural encounter that takes place. We, we fast forward from there. Jesus is born, and, and tomorrow night we're going to talk a little bit more about the, the angels uh, coming and greeting the shepherds. But once again, these angelic heavenly hosts encountering humanity, encountering human beings... And this connection takes place. This interaction takes place. Once again, it says they're terrified. This isn't normal. This isn't, this isn't just going out and having coffee with a buddy. This is stunning. Over and over. This heightened supernatural activity that's taking place. Before the birth of Christ, during the birth of Christ, and even after the birth of Christ. The silence has been broken. The party is on. That big day that we've been waiting for, that we've been saving the date for, is finally here. An otherwise normal, uneventful day is met with a supernatural, spiritual encounter. God was on the move. Something was happening. And the, the word for them was fear not. Fear not. You know, we're all kind of wired for the fantastic, aren't we? Um, I'm kind of looking for that next big event. I, I love parties. 
I love gatherings. I love, I love this time. I love birthdays. I love, uh, you know, I love New Year's. Anything that you can fire, uh, fireworks for is a great day for me. You know, Fourth of July, New Year's Day. Just, we're, but we're wired for the, the sensational. And, and that's, that's something that, that really does come naturally for most of us. I guess you could say even the media knows that and they play on that. I was looking uh, and doing some research, and uh, it was 1953 that, uh, that uh, we or whoever it was, the weather people, started naming hurricanes. And I think with that came kind of the, the, the bulletins and the, the, the headlines and the, you know, the, the breaking news, and they were able to put a name to this horrible storm that was coming in, some sort of uh, sensationalizing of this storm. It's kind of funny that uh, they started in 1953 naming storms after women. I don't get that. But, um, and then, um, you know, we got equality, and in 78, uh, we, we allowed them to be named after men. So I don't know, it's kind of like reverse discrimination or something. But we, we sensationalize things. We, we get things going. It was funny because um, I, I got thinking along the, even that line of just how media sensationalizes things. And, and I got thinking, okay, well, we name hurricanes. And when did we start naming winter storms? Have you noticed they, they, they're naming winter storms now? Like they, they give them people names. And so I googled naming of winter storms because I remember there was some big storm that hit New York with you know 16 feet of snow or you know a few years back. I'm like, when did we start naming winter storms? I thought they just named hurricanes. Well, found out it was true. 2012, the Weather Channel came up with this great idea. Hey, let's start naming winter storms. And so for just those of you who are, might be traveling up into the Northeast or wherever. Um, I came across the slate of winter storm names for 2018. So you might want to take some notes just so you know which one you're, you know, getting trapped in. But uh, Avery is number one, Bruce, Carter. Um, yeah, there you go, Carter. You're going to be like number three on the winter storm list. Um, Diego, Ebony, Fisher, and it goes on from there. And it's like, we're naming winter storms. Why are we naming winter storms? It's because we want, it's a sensationalizing of it. It's, it's this announcing of it. Hey, Carter is coming to the Northeast. Run for your life. Right? It's how we're wired. I think sometimes we're wired that way when it comes to our interaction with God. It, it somehow has to get caught up in the, the sensational and, and hey, the pastor's got to be on today and the band's got to be fired up today and we go out, woo, we met with Jesus. But what happens in the mundane? What happens in the, in the still and the quietness? What happens in those times when it's not very sensational? And what I want you to hear today is when the angels showed up, it wasn't a sensational time in Israel. The band wasn't playing. The trumpets weren't sounding. There was no parade in the streets. When, when Zechariah came walking in to, to the, 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 the sanctuary and met the angel... 
there was no you know, big huge screen and lights and smoke and fog and all this stuff and some band playing you know, as excellent as our band. It was in this just the quiet routine of life. When the angel came to Mary, exact same thing. We get so caught up in that which is sensational and we are very unimpressed sometimes when it's not. What about when things go quiet? Where is God when things are quiet? There's a Christmas carol that doesn't get a lot of press. It doesn't even get a whole lot of play. You may have heard it once or twice this Christmas season. You, you may have never heard it. You might not even know this, this Christmas carol even exists. And if you do, you might have sung it maybe about 15 years ago. It's a Christmas carol that its title is In the Bleak Midwinter. Woo, that just gets you going, doesn't it? In the bleak midwinter. Who would write a Christmas carol titled In the Bleak Midwinter? Take a look at, at some of these words. In the bleak midwinter, frosty wind made moan. Earth stood hard as iron, water like a stone. And you're even feeling more encouraged, aren't you? You know, in some ways, this is evidence, and this is even a parallel to those 400 years of silence that we have between our Old Testament and our New Testament. It really is a time of coldness. It's a time of bleak, cold, and darkness. And yet it's in that place where God shows up. About 10 years ago, I was uh, on a a sabbatical. Uh, we lived in Illinois at the time, and uh, there was a big, huge church up in uh, Chicago that uh, um, we as a staff, and me personally, and Dana and I, we'd visit whenever we could. We'd go up there, and it was a, a place where there were oftentimes many big conferences and um, worship events, a place to get fed as a pastor, a place to be encouraged, and we went there often, much like many of the big, large churches here in the Metroplex that we have. There are places to go and places to get fed and filled up as a, as a pastor and a church leader, and we would do that often. On my sabbatical, though, I was finishing off my grad studies up in, in Deerfield, up in the Chicagoland area. And so on Sunday evening, I would, uh, I would leave the house, and I, I basically moved up to Chicago midweek for four months. And um, so I was there from Monday to Friday. And during that time, this church became my kind of midweek church. And I'd go there on Wednesday nights and they'd have a worship night and a worship service. And I'd go to this church and, and uh, it was one thing to just, just have a church home during my sabbatical and while I was finishing my studies. But it was another thing, it was kind of an intriguing um, idea of mine to find out what really happened at one of these massive churches that I'd really only seen in the sensational before. You know, you go to a conference, you go to a concert, you go to a, a big event and, you know, they're rolling out the red carpet and, and it's an exciting place and the Spirit of God is moving and I got thinking, hmm, I wonder what this church is going to be like in the middle of February in Chicago when it's 20 below on a Wednesday night. 
And there was a desire for the sensational, but at the same time, there was just an understanding that this was going to be a bleak midwinter night. And I remember going one week and I'd walk down the aisle and I'd always sit in the same area. And there was a couple of guys who were the ushers and they, by that time they knew me by name. And, hey, Darren, how's it going? How, how are your studies going? And I just went in and I sat down. And I tell you, really met God that night. Really met God. And as I was preparing today, or for today, just the Lord brought that back to me. How you know we are, are indeed wired for those sensational times and those sensational moments. And God does bless us with those times. And God does move in those times. But let me also tell you that God moves in those quiet, normal, everyday times of our lives. It's evidenced in Zechariah's life. It's evidenced in Mary's life. In Joseph, even in the, the shepherds out in the field. Just a routine normal, <laughs> bleak midwinter where God shows up and does some amazing things. My prayer today for each and every one of us this whole week has been that today on just a regular, normal, uneventful Sunday here in Decatur, Texas at Crossroads Church, you would encounter a very supernatural and real God in an amazing way. And you know what? In some ways, there might be some fear attached to it. Oh my goodness, what was that? But that's not a bad thing. Because I believe that the Lord wants to say, fear not, I'm here and I got something I want to say to you and I want to encourage you and I want to bless you. So let's bow our heads, close our eyes. I want to pray that prayer over you today.